Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And just like that, we are live. Hey, welcome everyone. It's CJ. Uh, welcome to another edition of V is for Velas. Uh, Velas is here uh, on standby, and maybe at some point we'll have V jumping on. But want to welcome all the listeners tuning in, whether you're on Twitch, D Live, or Twitter. Uh, don't have a YouTube update as of yet, uh, but we soon uh, will. Hopefully, we'll update everyone in our Discord uh, channel. So, uh, Velas, happy Friday. How are you doing, man? Happy Friday, my friend. Uh, as the two of us sit here in the, uh, I wouldn't call it the Great White North, but the middle, the middle White North uh, of the Midwest, and uh, certainly well wishes to all of you out there in the uh, Northeast with the uh, Northeaster headed your way. Yeah, yeah, and here in the Midwest, we're getting some snow, so you know it's about ready to start uh, singing. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, but you know we're well past that day. So, but Velas, listen, I know you have a lot to share, a lot to discuss with our listeners. So if you're tuning in, grab a pen, paper, notebook, get ready, because Velas is going to take us deep. So go for it, Velas. Thank you, my friend. And uh, V will be uh, joining us shortly, and I'm sure a number of you may be listening to this program as well uh, after we save it to the Rogue News website. So for those of you that are live and for those of you that are listening to this later, thank you for uh, tuning in today. Um, got a ton of material today on a, on a primary topic. Um, some housekeeping. Uh, I will post to Discord tonight, uh, everybody, the content I could not use today. I basically got a whole show. <laughs> so uh, I'll try and wait late at night because every time I'm on Discord, I'll start posting stuff and then somebody will jump in and it's like, could, could everybody hold off on just a second while I get all this on the page? Um, your word of the day, everybody, is a freebooter. Um, that's an old term from the Wild West of the 1800s. A free bird, uh, freebooter is another word for a land pirate. Uh, and for all of you who join us on the, uh, not so much the chat, but the conversations that we've been having on Sunday nights on Discord, um, we've got like a little conference room in there or whatever. And you know, certainly all of you are welcome to, to jump on that. Um, we, we've had some pretty uh, vigorous conversations about the legal community, and, and one of our friends out there likes to refer to, uh, uh, what do you call it, a, a single law enforcement officer pulling you over on the road as a, as a land pirate. So uh, I'm, I'm throwing out the freebooter uh, term for all of you. Um, this just in this morning, uh, no joke, um, as many of you are aware, and it, it actually goes back all the way to last summer. Um, We've had these thefts in Los Angeles where the trains, uh, for any of you who've been through LA or lived there or, or at least moderately familiar with how the city's laid out, um, the way the train traffic comes into the city, you've got a couple of spots there where it has to slow down before it comes into various cargo offloading areas. 
And so when those trains slow down or are waiting, uh, various thieves have been going in there and stealing stuff. And uh, Governor Newsom, um, he's not recovering from the shot, uh, was out there the other day. Uh, yes, revolutionary bliss, freebooter. Um, and of course, he. Uh, I think you guys had it on the show yesterday, uh, CG, or perhaps with with Gus about uh, Newsom had like self corrected himself because he he used the word gangs and then he's like, wait a minute, I, I can't say gangs. Uh, but this has been going on for some time, and there's a couple of videos where where like citizens told LA law enforcement, which you know is overburdened. Uh, you guys have got to get out here and do something about this because first of all, you got all these empty boxes and stuff, and the stuff the thieves don't want is just kind of left lying all over the place. So you've, you've got what looks like, you know, a barrio down in Brazil, down there where, where all these trains are being robbed. But it came out this morning that evidently, and it's, you know, got to research this further. Evidently, firearms are being stolen off these trains, like a lot of them. And that begs several questions. Uh, are those military shipments? Because if they are, those cars are usually colored differently and managed differently, although sometimes just to not attract attention, they, they do use regular cargo routes. Um, but don't know, uh, but certainly begs the question, do we have another Fast and Furious on our hands? Uh, where for those of you who may remember in the Obama administration, we were moving guns into Mexico uh, where the serial numbers were all being tracked to uh, try and pin down which of the various gangs in Mexico were using them, the cartels and so on blew up in the administration's face uh, certainly makes a head scratcher for me about if we've got large scale firearms thefts taking place on these, on these trains, that sounds like a setup um, off of discord to Mac truck, huge uh, who posted the following quote, tyrants only abide by their ambitions. Thank you for that one. Uh, Cause that basically is uh, in large part, the theme of what we're covering. Before we get into today's content, some kind of mental sorbet, uh, a little bit of a joke, if you will. Um, Carlos, would you play the the clip I sent you? Yes, it's firing up right now. Oh, gotcha. Okay, it's now painfully clear. The adults are definitely paving the way for an invasion by the saucer people. You fool! Can't you see it's a massive government conspiracy? Or have they gotten to you too? Haven't you ever heard of Occam's Razor? The simplest explanation is probably the correct one. So what's the simplest explanation? I don't know. Maybe they're all reverse vampires and they have to get home before dark. So finally, we're all in agreement about what's going on with the adults. Newhouse? <clears throat> okay, here's what we've got. The Rand Corporation. In conjunction with the saucer people, thank you, under the supervision of the reverse vampires, are forcing our parents to go to bed early in a fiendish plot to eliminate the meal of dinner. We're through the looking glass here, people. <laughs> so definitely with the Rand Corporation reference, I had to, I 
had to go with that. But just yeah. a, a little a little humor until we get into some rather heavier stuff I've got for us today. So the the whole show here today or that I'm I'm uh, covering is uh what I've loosely uh, termed the rabbit hole of transhumanism, Epstein, and what is this all about? So, um, you know, prior to my starting this and, and just, you know, users, users hint, um, kind of like my coverage last week when we got into the, the pedophile and the hebophile topic. Um, if this isn't kind of your thing, you, you may want to skip today's show. Um, you know, it's, it's different content than I had last week, but it's going to be fairly hard hitting and it's another primer on current events. And I'm hoping, uh, and, and housekeeping folks, I will not have a show on February 4th. I will be back on the 13th. Um, but you know, I'm hoping in my, my future show to get back to my more lighter content, like food shortages and political overthrows. Um, I've been on road now for, for uh, a year and change and covered a lot of topics, but I've also been trying to build a baseline with all of you. And we've moved beyond my my often repeated comment about, you know, what's the most incredible thing there is? I can't tell you. Okay, what's the thousandth most incredible thing? Professional wrestling is real. Um, we're also working our way through the 33 degrees, if you will, as, as we all ascend in a higher understanding of the world we're in. So, so walk with me, if you will, because we're kind of ready for what I'm covering today. You will continue to hear on several fronts the same misdirecting narratives we've been talking about on road. Things like uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeff Epstein are isolated wealthy people with bad habits. Uh, the COOF was just a poor response planning by governments. Uh, third world nation, which China is not, with poor lab controls, let research get out the door and we need to learn lessons from that. And inclusive of my comment last week, comments about Dr. Malone, all of this is misdirection. And they are going to continue to intensify their misdirection with what's going to be coming out shortly on a number of fronts, a number of areas that we're going to be hearing about in the months to come. So there are new developments with Epstein, more details coming forward, more people are researching. There's, uh, I've mentioned this on a prior show, there's two, I think two, I've, I've pre-ordered so many books, I can't remember what I'm still waiting on, but there's two very good uh, Epstein books that are forthcoming. Some of that content has come out. And as shocking as this may be to believe, there actually is a very large piece of Epstein that relates to the coup. I will tell you his involvement is so biblical. It's why they're having to focus on the pedophile topic. It's why they have to have these trials with Ghislaine, because they have to distract from what's the deeper backstory. And I assure you, very powerful people are scared to death. This whole story is explained. The truth is in front of us, but like a lot of things, you got to look through it from a different angle. You got to look through it through a different lens. You need some help from some other folks to say, yes, but did you consider this? So today's show, like a lot of my shows, I'm trying to provide a primer on this, on this overall content I'm going to provide. We, we could do weeks of shows just on this. Um, but the net of it is, is, is Jeff Epstein and Gisley and Maxwell being major facilitators of even higher level people with multi-decades long planning around the human community, if you will, as well as the, the digital economy. It also helps us understand that the blackmail was intentional. It wasn't just the normal intelligence agency blackmail, the normal blackmail that exists in corporations and all different aspects of our lives. This blackmail was specific to aid this overall effort that I'm gonna walk you through. And 
You can call it a lot of names, but in my universe, there's no other way to call this other than a bioweapon. And I know people said that, but we got to pull that apart. It's like, okay, but when we say that, what does that mean? And then the phase that follows, which is the digital economy. Now, I've covered on this show many times that my Eastern European community, when we fled to the United States, for all of us, we have internalized for generations that our presence here in the United States, and we love this country, was due to our being victims of the world's globalists. AV, hey. it's due to our, our, uh, our presence here being because we are victims of the globalists and the neo-enlightenment beliefs that they follow. And to paraphrase Matthew Eretz's similar feelings on this, because he's, he's said it very well, historically there's been an agenda to create a dictatorship by individuals who believe in a neo-enlightenment view and the right, rightness of, of their goals. And it's a hierarchical model it's feudalism, we've talked about that, by the world's elites, where everyone else in the world answers to them. Now, this boils down to two main elements. First, the global population is too large to be useful in the current economic model. There was a time when large movements of labor, large availability of labor made sense based on the way the global economy operated. That has changed. So therefore, they need to adjust the global population, and you can look into that what you will. Also, the changing nature of technology, uh, which has made this coming for some time. Now, I've also previously covered on this topic. This was discussed openly in the kinds of strategic conferences I used to attend when I was working with the Department of Defense and other uh, consulting agencies in Washington. The second component of this is the belief among the world's elites that they must unilaterally rule. Otherwise, these ignorant, uneducated masses are going to breed us off the planet which would lead to disruption, conflict, global imbalance, and they just cannot tolerate that. Not to pick on the British or specifically the London Corporation too much, there's always been a, a foreign policy belief in British government circles. The age-old saying of a particular leader may be a murderous son of a bitch, but they're, but they're our son of a bitch. That they'll yep. do business with a dictator as long as stability is maintained in the global environment. So we have to go back to that line from the movie JFK where Donald Sutherland's character is sitting in the park and says, you know, the famous thing about who benefits, who has the power to cover it up, and then, of course, the other one, follow the money. So as insane as this sounds, uh, it's my belief at present, you know, subject to change if additional data comes forward, that the moves against Jeff Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell may have, in fact, been a carefully planned move to draw attention to the pedophile hebophile angle and take attention off of what we're going to cover today. And these folks have sacrificed major players before, if it suits their needs. I mean, among uh, on a certain level, depending on how you look at it, even Cecil Rhodes in the end was sacrificed for the greater good of the world. So Epstein's connections. It's been covered in the media, but without the right kind of attention, tying together various threads. Um, Jeff and Ghislaine were heavily involved for years in various scientific research organizations. And Jeff specifically was a member of major foreign policy and scientific groups, such as the Trilateral Commission, the Council of Foreign Relations, New York Academy of Science, and the former Rockefeller University board member. But the thing is, if you look at those connections, what kind of scientists are we talking about? And that's where you got kind of, again, you got to dig a bit. These are all people with extensive work in genetics, biology, and viral pathways. Yep. Now, that's in addition to the people he hung out with from Silicon Valley, Hollywood, you know, Bill Gates, and a host of other high priority people who 
let's be candid. They all strongly believe in transhumanism, which no bullshit. That's eugenics 2.0. There's, there's yeah. no other way to say it. And it's my reason why I previously mentioned, and I wasn't able to use it on a show, but I posted on Discord a couple of weeks ago that I listed all the movies where I said, here's some hidden elements of these. About the Kingsman movies, uh, the mm-hmm. first one, where Samuel Jackson plays the Silicon Valley tycoon who wants to reduce the world's population. Um, by the way, Epstein was also involved in weapons dealing for the United Kingdom, along with sponsoring genomics research. That's also an amusing angle, which we won't cover, but I just wanted to raise that for awareness. The other thing, too, folks, by the way, is everything I'm covering on today's show, I've, I've got all the source material. This, this isn't just rumor and innuendo. I've, I've been, I think, Wednesday night, I was up till four in the morning just editing uh, today's show uh, to make sure I, I, it was like, okay, was that an opinion or do I actually have a source for that? And then, as I said earlier on the show, there's a number of books that are also coming out this spring and this summer uh, that, that would be worth a read if you want to dig into this further. So um, we also covered previously that DARPA periodically became uncomfortable with the kinds of research that these folks wanted to undertake, which begs the question, why? And if you really dig into what the World Economic Forum and others are sponsoring, it's forms of human experimentation. And that's a big no-no in most Western countries or in a number of countries, not just in the West, uh, about not conducting that kind of research. And so these people in their human fetal tissue have had to go elsewhere. Now, the research, just a a reminder, what's gain-of-function research? Because we hear that in the media, but again, it's like the words are in front of you, but it's like, what does that mean? It's like, well, from the National Institutes of Health, and I quote, is the improvement or increase in effectiveness of lethality, virulence, and transmissibility of a pathogen. And the gain-of-function research has been carried out in countries where owners of research facilities or the governments themselves can be bought off to let it take place. And this is where Wuhan comes in. Mm. Now, in a stunning development in the last two months, the U.S. government just issued a grant to the exact same Wuhan labs for $5 million with additional funding forthcoming. Now, the money went to the EcoHealth Alliance, who's using it to fund work in Wuhan. Now, the question is, is that work going to have a gain-of-function component? EcoHealth Alliance is the same organization that was led by Peter Daszak, who you've heard about in the news, who's worked with Fauci for years and also recently admitted that he's been involved with the CIA for a very long time. Dazek, by the way, also in the Lancet Medical Journal. The Lancet Medical Journal has a COVID-19 origins commission where Lancet recused Dazek earlier this year because he has too many conflicts of interest. They simply can't have him involved in the commission because it just looks bad having him there. Also earlier this week, Mike Moore over at True Pundit raised that there's been some additional discoveries about labs where Dr. Fauci, who's part of uh, U.S. NIAID, um, has been sponsoring and conducting off-the-books research frowned on by Western countries like gain-of-function. And one of those countries is Ukraine. You know, if I was Russia, I probably would not want that on my border. Um, so this brings us to the Human Genome Project. Also, that was real quick. You just yeah. mentioned Ukraine. You, you, you made the link with the bioweapons lab. Let us not forget about three years ago when the Russians find out that U.S. scientists were flouting in and out of the Russian territories, taking gene samples of Russians. Yes. Which dovetails nicely into the Human Genome Project, which, which explains why that was. Uh, and again, 
the Human Genome Project was led and funded by the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, as well as the Department of Energy. Now, the, the latter being involved has always raised some eyebrows. Uh, its purpose was to, to genetically map the entire human genome of all the world's major peoples into a single database. So net net, all the genes of all the races on this planet mapped. The work began in 1988, and it was completed in 2003. One of the things that kind of brought to the public's attention back in the 80s, this work was even taking place, was the fact that for this kind of work, they needed a lot of really powerful supercomputers. And so the IT industry, sound familiar, became heavily involved because they needed what in our parlance we call big iron. They needed big pieces of computational capability, crunching, crunching all that data. And so to completely map all the sequencing of all the DNA of all the people on this planet took them until about 2003. Which is interesting because if you track from 2003 to 2021, you show a very slow progression uh, towards what we're going to talk about today. We'll also come back to that effort and its relationship to companies like 23andMe and similar products out there that trace your DNA. Now, I'm not going to go into any detail because it's a very hot topic, but the other thing about the Human Genome Project and a lot of the thinking about the human genome, where did that all originally come from? Well, I would tell you to go research Japan's bioweapons work during World War II and what happened to that work and those labs and those people after the war ended. Because the takeaway about the Human Genome Project is whoever controls the human genome controls the world. Now, the labs and the World Economic Forum. There's a very long history of genomics research sponsorship and funding from organizations like the WEF, World Economic Forum. Uh, interestingly enough, who was a significant attendee of the 1991 WEF meeting where uh, genomic research was one of the topics they covered? Well, it was none other than Ghislaine Maxwell's father, Robert. Yeah. Now, the attendee lists from those meetings are not public, but stuff like that's been leaking out. And her dad, Robert Maxwell, who was the big media guy in uh, the UK, who's been about as connected as the railroads to Israeli intelligence, um, he was involved in those meetings for years. And that's 30 years ago before he handed that off to Ghislaine Maxwell and her sisters, which you have to remember the types of stuff the sisters were involved in. I've mentioned on other shows, Ghislaine's sisters sell software that's proprietary to the FBI and other U.S. intelligence agencies like the CIA and have done so for years that helps them track and manage individuals and profiles on individuals and AI and algorithmic work. There are many organizations out there other than the World Economic Forum. The WEF often is, as I often say, the hood ornament that's attracting everybody's attention. And all of these groups have been directing funding of research into genomics, transhumanist engineering and related. And they discuss these things in terms of, and this is a direct quote, the anthropological, societal, and cultural consequences of human enhancement. Um, the other thing, too, is, strangely enough, the other major player who attends these meetings is the Vatican, which is kind of funny, um, especially when you consider what the Vatican's position was on the hoof inoculations over the last two years. Again, not an attack on the Catholic Church. It's the problems I personally have with the Vatican itself. I also found it kind of funny that uh, when uh, Bill Gates was doing a lot of puff pieces on, hey, I'm a nice guy, uh, in spite of this whole divorce mess, uh, he recently stated that he and his family have attended Catholic services for some time. 
Uh, we'll get back to Bill in a minute. So one of the labs where Epstein had involvement beyond MIT was at Harvard. And some of you may recall, there was a big cleanup job Harvard had to launch about all the money he gave. And there were a lot of people saying, well, are you going to give it back? <laughs> and like a lawyer, uh, Harvard's response was, well, no. Um, Epstein's foundation was the Jeff Epstein VI Foundation. And it was set up in 2000 to support science education globally. And the foundation was headquartered, guess where? Uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands at St. Thomas, which, of course, we now know why, why it was there. Um, in 2003, the Program for Evolutionary Dynamics was set up at Harvard with a $35 million gift, and it focused on molecular biology, which is essentially genomics research. We're going to get a little bit more into Harvard and one of the key researchers there. In, in now, a number of you and I have been talking on Discord. I've mentioned this on prior shows. It's one of my memory hole items that I often talk about. This is the subject of Aaron Swartz his connection to Epstein and MIT and what the heck was really going on with all of that. There's also been a lot more coverage in the alternative space where his name has been popping up again. And he died eight years ago. So it's like, why is that happening? I can provide you an explanation. When MIT went after him because he was posting research from paid for journals in public forums, or more accurately, that's what they accused him of doing. We don't really know exactly. It's like, okay, you say he posted, you know, you have journals and you have to pay to get access to that data. And because he's a big free information guy, you've accused him of posting that data because, you know, he, he thinks it's unfair of you to charge or whatever. But I've looked around. I'm sure somebody has it. But it's like, where are the articles you say he posted? Because a lot of this is almost dark web like kind of stuff. So what did he post exactly? Or is this just you're accusing him of that because you tied him up in years for court? Now, prior to Aaron Swartz finding himself in court, now, just a reminder, Aaron is the guy we mentioned on a prior show. He's the guy that who uh, developed the RSS feed uh, that some of you may be familiar with about you know, how to acquire data. Uh, he was involved in a number of, of different things. He was brilliant, uh, and he's still considered like one of the biggest uh, IT contributors um, to the IT you know, community and so on discipline. Uh, in the past 20, 30 years. Um, there was a well-known financier that was dumping huge amounts of money on big universities. And big universities mean you have big reputations. Big reputations make you vulnerable. And that money was going towards human genome research. And the financier was Jeff Epstein. The kinds of research they were conducting is often forbidden, at least in the United States. So who provided the money for that research that Epstein gave to MIT. The rumor is certain parties in China who wanted to capitalize on genome research and equally coordinating with some transhumanist friends of ours in London. Then the university intentionally leaves the data in servers who can be easily hacked to allow their clients to access what they paid for. Then along comes Aaron. And he's running a separate project where he discovers there's hidden servers at MIT who are not part of the primary infrastructure. And because it's Aaron, he starts going through the servers and looking what's in there. And he finds there's some rather shocking research in there, dare one say illegal. So then it appears he contacts Julian Assange, who just a few years uh, prior had set up Tor servers for all of his goodies over at WikiLeaks. Now, a quick thumbnail, you know, Tor servers are like anonymous servers that you know are located in Sweden and Norway and stuff. And it enables you to make more anonymous where you're, you're hosting data. 
And put another way, it makes it a lot harder uh, for countries or governments uh, to crack down or shut those shut those servers down. Now, when it was discovered that uh, Julian Assange uh, was still, you know, doing his thing over at WikiLeaks, there were a number of countries that were, uh, including the European Union, that were coming after the, the Nordic countries up there of Finland, Sweden, and Norway, saying, "You you just need to find out where his data centers are and shut that stuff down." And those countries' governments were like, "I don't really know that we can do that." private property and this, that, and the other. Uh, we don't have the secret police level uh, kind of surveillance you all do in your countries. We don't really do that here. Um, so after Swartz becomes aware of this, now MIT, other big universities, DARPA, some folks in China and London, they've got a problem and he needs to go. So prior to his suicide, we make sure to put him under unbelievably intense pressure in the courts to make his suicide seem more plausible. Because you got to remember, everybody, these folks are experts at what they do. Now, a sidebar on this topic about Aaron Swartz is, the year he killed himself, Bill Gates makes a multi-million dollar donation to MIT. And who directed Bill to make the donation? Jeff Epstein, per the Daily Mail. Unbelievable. Wow. Who are some of the major players we got going on here connected to Bill Gates and Epstein? Number one, Dr. Melanie Walker, directly from her World Economic Forum profile. Uh, She's the director of the president's delivery unit. That's not the U.S. president. That's the director. That's the president of the World Economic Forum. And senior advisor to President Jim Young Kim at the World Bank. She joined the group from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, where she was deputy director of special initiatives, team charged with exploring cross-disciplinary interventions and incubating new foundation programs across both health and development. She is still the co-chair of the WEF's Future Council on Neural Technology and Brain Science. She completed postdoctoral studies in computational neuroscience. She was the Neural Technology and Brain Science Advisor to Bill Gates. She's also been a health advisor to the World Health Organization in the developing world. Now, anyone remember those flu vaccines that sterilized women in Africa from Gates Foundation, where several African nations were trying to sue the Gates Foundation over that? I know I do. She's a Rockefeller Fellow. She's a professor at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Who else was involved in the Rockefeller Foundation? Jeff Epstein. From the Daily Mail, we now know. Melanie was living in Epstein-provided properties back in the 1990s while she was still building her academic credentials. Let me say that a little bit more bluntly. When she was in her 20s, before she became the person she is today, Epstein had a number of properties around the United States where she was living. He thought she was rather attractive, to put it mildly. She also was connection. She's the one who introduced Epstein to Gates. She gets her way into the Gates Foundation and other work after she builds up all these academic credentials. And then she's the one who introduces Epstein. She's also friends with Dr. Boris Nikolic. Who's Nikolic? He's a Croatian physician who completed postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical School. We've got Harvard again. He previously served as a chief advisor for science and technology to Bill Gates. Here's the funny part. He was the executor of Jeff Epstein's will. And when that came out, Dr. Nikolic said, I barely know the man. I don't even know why I'm the executor of his will. Now, that's funny. 
quote Jack Nicholson, because there's a crap load of pictures of him out on the internet that shows him standing next to Bill Gates, Jeff Epstein, and friends for several years. His background also includes heavy expertise in immunology, stem cell research, which again, where do we get stem cells, folks? That's right. He founded three biotechnology companies, and he currently is the advisor to Bill Gates' investment group, which is known as Catalyst 3, which is also known as uh, BGC3 or Bravo Golf Charlie 3, which is the Bill Gates Catalyst 3 uh, investment group. This leads us to, to George Church. You're going to love this guy. He's a Harvard genetics professor with a focus on genome engineering and sequencing, including stem cells. What are the odds? He's also the founder of 23andMe, among the other DNA tests out there. He's also a CRISPR researcher. Now, some of you, that's C-R-I-S-P-R. The CRISPR machines, for those of you who may have come across that, that, that is like literally a little device you can have in your house where you can split uh, DNA, you know, or for some snarky friends of mine, make your own human at home. CRISPR is what enables, you know, much smaller labs or even high schools or universities to start splicing cells in ways that normally you had to have unbelievable equipment in uh, labs and stuff at, at major research institutions. Now you can do it at home. George Church also received a lot of Epstein money at Harvard, and he collaborated with a well-known transhumanist entrepreneur known as James Clement on using the Human Genome Project data to study the longevity of people who've lived to 100. Now, some of you may be aware, Silicon Valley executives, I wouldn't say Silicon Valley per se, but Silicon Valley executives for about 10 years now have been pretty vocal about this whole how do we live forever thing. And they're very keen on that kind of enhanced uh, longevity in their lives for themselves like any good elite. And while giving an interview to Der Spiegel, which is a German publication, I don't know if Mr. Church forgot about the internet or, any, or you know, the fact that that interview wouldn't necessarily go global. He got in trouble because he made a statement about his desire to explore the feasibility in future research of recreating a Neanderthal, which begs the question, who is going to be the surrogate mother for that sort of research? Then we got Bill, Bill Gates. There's a lot with Bill. We don't have that kind of time. But Microsoft has paid millions of dollars to the BBC as well as other media organizations. And that comes in handy when the BBC is sitting on data that Bill had a relationship with Epstein going way back, prior to his first conviction, not after. Because Gates has often said, well, I met the man socially, yada, 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 it was after his conviction, which also begs the question, why are you talking to him after his conviction? But the BBC knew Gates had been dealing with Epstein for years, but they've got a lot of Bill's money. So they stayed quiet, Blackmail 101. But Bill, as we know, has also made investments in other media organizations, especially social media. And they've kept quiet about that decades-long relationship he also had, drumroll, with the Maxwell family that goes back to the 1980s. Bill Gates has been involved with the Maxwell family. And when I say the family, I don't just mean Ghislaine. I mean, again, the two sisters that are in the shadows that run all of these companies that do all of this weird shit with the intelligence community. And again, really want to dig into that, go to BitChute, go find the amazing Polly. I, I can't even hold a candle to uh, Polly St. George's work on that. She, she probably has the most extensive and detailed work. She's got, you know, as I've often said, she's got the big PowerPoints. She identifies every company by name, how many times the name changed, which financial organizations were involved, the list goes down. The point is, Gates has been involved not just with Epstein, but with Ghislaine Maxwell and the Maxwell family 
for decades. So when that's all about to come out, what do we do? Well, we have a divorce, which is a distraction from, you know, the rest of this. Kind of like what I raised two shows ago about Steve Jobs' uh, widow, who's running The Atlantic. And The Atlantic is running articles on what? Well, the pedophile topic's misunderstood. And we've got to stop digging into all of this nonsense. You know, you know, it's just you smaller brain people that don't understand scientific research. You all need to stay out of that. And it's like, you know, I'm getting the feeling, Miss Jobs, that you're pretty much uh, bought and paid for and, and have signed on to this whole ideology. And I have a feeling, you know, Melinda Gates is in the same category. So this is, again, it's a very convenient distraction. All of, all of the focus is on, well, we've got this titillating divorce. Ooh, it's Bill Gates. There's a lot of money involved. Uh, oh, I wonder if there'll be tension at the wedding of his kid last summer. Mm, let's send the photographers and look for the tension. And it's like, would all of you like to look over here in the 1980s? You might find this is far more interesting. <laughs> so this brings us to State Street Advisors. And they're a consulting practice involved in finance, politics, public policy. I'm raising them specifically along with content I've covered before about BlackRock and Vanguard and the other private equity folks out there. Because State Street Advisors, some of their recent internal communications from their board of directors with their goals has, say with me, become public. And those communications are essentially directing and dictating to their senior staff who manage various clients as well as uh, the clients themselves that their intention is to dictate to corporations where they have influence for boards of directors to consist of the right genders, the right racial, uh, racial makeups, as well as corporate policies that embrace green energy and moving away from fossil fuels. They will use their financial clout to direct boards through stock votes to adhere to what they want. Now, I've read through this material. I, I have it. And it's very specific. I mean, it's, I mean, I say it's like, it, no, it is. It's the mafia. It's like, if you don't do what we want in these countries where your corporation operates, when it comes to green energy, if you don't start turning off the power and you can only have power by day by solar, this is what we're going to do. It's like, is there a proxy vote? We're going to get involved. Is somebody in the board up for a renewal of their term on the board? We're going to get involved. We're going to find out if you've got family members on other boards. We're going to go after them. This is literally what these people are saying. And the World Economic Forum just this week, in between various famous people speaking at that meeting, Klaus Schwab this week was joking, as they will often do, about how much control they have over major corporations. Because there were some questions being asked by their attendees about, well, yes, of course we all uh, agree with our global views, but, you know, we're going to run into resistance. Bullshit. Klaus Schwab's looking at everybody this week going, we run these companies. And why do they run these companies? Because BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street Advisors are telling them what to do. And then my personal favorite, <laughs> on top of what's going on in Canada right now, the Bank of International Settlements, also known as BIS, their head guy flat out used the word enforce this week. Let me be more specific. He said, and I quote, the new digital economy will enable us to enforce what you can buy with the digital currency we give you, unquote. 
There are former East German intelligence people rolling in their graves right now. Ooh, imagine what we could have done with that kind of power. Marcus Wolf. Yes. So in closing, I said on last week's show about Dr. Malone and others are pushing a narrative of, quote unquote, it's a mistake. Um, I don't mean classic 1980s song from the Australian band, It's a Mistake. At times, they're even going to say, okay, look, it was really bad. And it was a perfect storm of mistakes. And this was all an error. It's our bad. We should have had tighter controls on the labs, if you believe the lab narrative. Okay, we should have had a better response protocol when it comes to diseases we detected, if you believe the it occurred naturally narrative. So the more they attack Malone and others like him, the more it legitimizes the it was a mistake storyline. Because I've seen PSYOPs before. I've not just read about them, but I've, you know, in past work, I've been exposed to materials that explain to me how you manipulate foreign countries, or how we've done it in the past. It's not just Malone we're talking about. This is a very carefully crafted message out there right now. And my attention is on what appears to be a well-run trade craft and psychological operations which means very experienced people planned it and they executed it and they're managing it. That's expensive in time, money, and people. So therefore I have to believe it's true. They're pushing the mistake narrative, which means it's bogus. And it also means if you're investing that hard in that narrative, then you're making the bioweapon narrative more probable. Or at least let's just call it the, the medical research narrative probable, which begs the question, what is the goal of the research? And if the bioweapon narrative is more probable, then everything I've just said is probably closer to the truth. Now, there's a lot more detail, a lot more people, there's a lot more about this I could have covered. And I agonized over the the detail I tried to share with all of you today, because there's just a lot. But I tried to cover the best I could of the high points, especially the the Aaron Swartz uh, revelations. So with that, in the, in the time we have, I'll open the floor to uh, CJ and V. Amazing, mind-blowing, bombastic information that connects the dots, that fills in the Swiss cheese. Like, if you were somebody who's out there data mining all of this the last two years and trying to stick the, um, the points here, well, is everything you broke down, is exactly what I'm seeing on, on, on what the markets are doing. Because I look at some market data, right? I'm looking at some of the money moves that are happening in the back end. You know, when I call a few buddies of mine that are with hedgies and, and whatnot. And I'm like, why do they do this? Why is this moving that way? And then you drop some bombs, okay? Absolute bombs that connect it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly what's happening. Vels, one of these days, I'm going to have to bring you on. And just cut you loose for, I don't know how long you want to go, an hour, two hours, three hours. And you should talk about this, and I'll bring all my financial notes, and then you and I should, like, put the tapestry together. We'll, we'll, need, some, we'll need some structure around that, or else I yes. might end up dragging us into the Mycenaean Greeks before we know what happened. But, well, <laughs> and, and you you and, and uh, Gus in his own way, because I mentioned on, on last week's show, you know, the thing about Gus saying uh, there's, a, there's a social narrative, a social change they're trying to create. They're trying to break down uh, the barriers between uh, peoples and so on so that we're just one big body of labor out there. 
But yeah, I've, you know, I've caught and listened very carefully V to a lot of the content you and CJ have been having uh, the last two weeks, uh, as well as obviously, you know, other folks in the, in the alt space, as I've often said, we, we are all voices in a chorus here, but yeah, the economic piece. And again, I've had people reach out to me and say things like, and this is not meant in a disparaging way whatsoever. Well, Vela says, what you're saying, Catherine Austin Fitz is correct. And it's like, okay, we got to, because what we're talking about is incredibly fluid and, and it is meant to be deceptive by nature. So you can't just say, oh, uh, I'll go with an easy one. Read this book on the Kennedy assassination. It explains everything. Bullshit. (laughs) I have an entire shelf of many shelves on one of my many bookshelves here in my office. I'm looking at it right now. I've said this on other shows. I have easily 15 books on the Kennedy assassination. And I think I've maybe got 65 to 70% of, of the total picture that can, can be backed up. So on what we're talking about here, I have already gone over countless, countless bodies of data of all sorts of other scientists, all sorts of kids of global leaders that are sitting with these labs. And, and again, I said it before, you can launder a lot of money by moving it through scientific research organizations. So that's that's another of the many threads here. But to your point, V, one of the scarier revelations I've had lately is long ago in a galaxy far away, I was sitting in Washington, D.C. with a bunch of think tank types. and We were just having drinks, but it's typical of Washington. So we're all sitting in the back of the bar facing the door. And we're doing the Goodfellas thing with, with our hands up to our mouths as, as we're just kind of shooting the gristle about various topics. And <laughs> I, I asked the assembled body of people at the table, I said, look, especially being a white Russian, this is, this is a hard thing to say. But I said, I have read countless books by Soviet defectors, as well as East Germans and others. And now I've got exposure to a lot more detail after the Cold War because of that thing I do and the stuff I do for the people for whom I do it. And I said, the Soviet Union had us. They had us. Their intelligence services had penetrated everything. We lost. So what the hell happened? And one of the guys laughed and he goes, imagine an actual UFO crash somewhere. Do we have the technology to understand it? And he said, that was the problem for the Soviet Union. You're right. They had us. There wasn't a single thing going on in our country with some exceptions. They didn't know about. The point is, how the hell are they going to exploit it? They don't have the industry. They don't have the technology. You know, think of how many years, uh, which is ironic, it took, you know, a newly minted Russia to, to catch its breath. Now, it didn't take as long as the Air Force told me when they re- revoked my uh, commission. It'll take right, decades yeah. before there are any sort of a threat. Yeah, hardship. <laughs> Russia's going to have so much hardship. I'm like, okay, after I stop laughing, and, uh, and Velas, that's our national language. Velas, and they're telling you this while the, the, the Su-27 variants were on the, the drawing board as well as the TU-160 blackjacks and everything else, and, the, and we're all on the drawing board. <laughs> right, well, and the Russians are patient. They'll just keep, they'll just keep working at the problem. The point I'm, t- I'm going here, folks, is in many respects – Western nations, I, I used to read a lot of the, the uh, Communist Party, you know, uh, party meeting stuff, which was supposed to translate into English, which I found funny. Um, in the 1970s, in particular, there were a lot of statements made by Soviet leaders about 
we're not trying to conquer or destroy the West. Uh, and I'm quoting, we wish to impose our will anytime it is necessary. So it's like, okay, you basically had that. So what went wrong? And it's like, well, they couldn't execute. And there were other factors like their own systems beginning to collapse from the inside. So I don't mean this exactly as I'm saying it, but it's like the, the Soviet Union failed um, by, by proxy, basically, or, or another word that escapes me at the moment. And so where I'm going with where we are right now is I'm looking at the last two months or so. And now we've got World Health Organization saying, well, maybe we ought to reconsider. We've got the recent decision by the Supreme Court, <clears throat> who at this point, the Supreme Court is so blackmailed and compromised, you could call in any decision to the Supreme Court you want. But yet they, they rule against, quote unquote, the White House. And we've got both the left and the right, as usual, with these various narratives. We've got the CDC, NIH, and others contradicting each other. I mean, and the FDA, anybody in the FDA who had a spine is gone. We know that. They forced out anybody last January, sorry, last November, last December. But yet now the FDA is starting to sound rational. Um, even the Germans are backing off of their crackdowns and lockdowns. Now, from where I'm sitting on this side of the microphone, I'm scratching my head saying, but you had us. You just took your boot off our neck. Why? Because the other thing is, is that it's been said by people smarter than me. This is a pattern. They've done this for hundreds of years, at least since 1848, you know, the famous year of all the revolutions that broke out across Western Europe. They apply pressure, they let it go. They apply pressure, they let it go. This time, from where I sit, I'm looking at the world thinking, but you could have actually pulled it off. You could have pulled off the Roman vision of we run everything. You had it and you let it go. I mean, hell, we'll probably hear in a few weeks that Australia is starting to relax its policies. Yep. And I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Why? And the only answer I can come up with, Occam's razor to quote Lisa Simpson, is because they achieved their goals. Yeah. And now they're ready for phase two. And yep. phase two is exactly what V is talking about. It's like, okay, now, now, now we're going digital. Now we're going to various governments saying, uh, of course, and you've seen how mad, some of you have probably seen in the news, how mad various countries are, including the World Bank, who called El Salvador directly this week and said, okay, very funny, now stop it. Stop this bullshit that you've got your own digital currency. Now, is it this age-old thing of, well, because it empowers individuals to, to leverage cryptocurrencies and this, that, and the other? Uh, maybe, and you know, as V has said, it's not necessarily because this is 100% planned out down to the last detail. I highly doubt that. But they do have a general idea. They do have a general plan for where they're going economically. And that, Catherine Austin Fitz said this week, it's a touch alarmist. But at the same time, she's right, which is we've really got to get the sandbags out on the digital economy thing. Yeah, because if, if we don't stop them here, you literally like I said about the, the Bank of International Settlements, you literally will not be able to make purchases. You may not be able to make purchases if it's something they don't want you to buy. They may not let you make purchases of any kind until you behave. 100%. And that's where we got to get the wooden shoes, sabot, and throw them into the machinery, sabotage, 
I'm not advocating violence. I'm just saying we got to figure out how to disrupt this. And there's a whole bunch of people figuring out how to disrupt this. And depending on who, you, who you're looking at, uh, several thousand of them right now are driving from Western Canada to Eastern Canada to deliver a message. And I posted on Discord yesterday, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up here, V, and CJ, just a second. I, I saw probably the best quote I've or, or interview I've seen uh, in months. It was a Canadian truck driver. He's probably driving an old Peterbilt because he's like the dash is really huge, you know, and it's like, oh, man, you're driving one of the older trucks. And he's like looking at the camera while he's driving. And he's like, hey, Trudeau, we're, we're coming to Ottawa, man. And we're here to explain to you that uh, you and all those government people, you don't run this country. We run this country. And I mean, it was like Fight Club because you don't eat unless we deliver food. You don't have heat or transportation unless we bring the fuel. You don't build anything unless we bring the materials. You don't run this country. You run this country for us. And we're coming to Ottawa to explain this to you. And I thought, wow. First of all, that guy needs to run for local office. Second, it's right out of Fight Club. And third, that doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, can you imagine? I had a friend of mine reach out to me the other day and he goes, do you remember when we were in college and um, what do you call it? We were covering World War One. And we had a really good professor. He had us read the diaries and things of soldiers on both sides. He's probably one of the most insightful things about the war, regardless of what history books say. But it was that famous Christmas truce. When you read the French, German, British commanders and others who had troops who said, you know what, we're going to stop shooting at each other for a day and just play soccer and exchange some little gifts with each other and hang out, eat and sing some songs until we go back to killing each other. That Christmas truce so scared the shit out of every, because it's the old joke about how are we going to have a war if nobody shows up? It's like, Jesus, our soldiers are talking to each other. They unilaterally decided to stop killing each other when we explicitly told them to keep killing each other, whether it's Christmas or not. If you read the diaries of these commanders of those armies, it, it I, I, biblical is not even a strong enough word. They lost their minds because it's like, we've lost control. Like, we decide war. You will die for us when we tell you to die for us. And they're disobeying the little vermin. And so my buddy goes, now let's consider Canada right now. You've got thousands of truckers tying up traffic, rolling across that great big white north in the middle of winter. <laughs> you got to know they're serious if it's winter. You've got school kids. Average Canadian citizens on the side of the road cheering them on with signs and stuff. They've got little little stations set up where truckers can pull over. They'll use a, a mobile Johnny. Uh, they've got food, warm food and stuff set up. They've got people helping to repair, people volunteering their time to help keep the trucks running. And it's like, yeah, you better believe Trudeau is, is indisposed. You better believe he just came down with his fourth or fifth uh, case of, of the coof and he can't come out right now. He's, he's down in a basement somewhere calling the London Corporation going, you got to help me. <laughs> Send somebody. <laughs> I got 50,000 pissed off truckers coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Exactly. What a week. Fellas, man. We got to do it. You and I need to brainstorm. Maybe we invite uh, the amazing Polly and uh, all we should just we should just go at it, man. 
We should. I like. It'll, I like the idea. It'll take me a few days to compile and and make sense. In fact, I'm actually putting the slides together. I started yesterday. I'm like, the the information I'm sitting on. This, this shit is just too damn important. I can't be sitting on this for long. Let me start putting it together. And then I come on the show. I mean, last night you texted me. And you're like, tomorrow's show is going to be epic. I'm like, all right. I'm looking forward to this. And bro, you you hit it out of the ballpark. It, it, incredible information. And I'm like, okay. You know what? You've been sitting on this stuff for years, fellas. I want to like get together, all three of us. Let's let's reach out to CJ. See if you could reach out to Polly, and um, let's get. I'll, this I'll reach. I'll reach out to Polly. I've got oh, personally. Oh, perfect. Yeah, let's do it. Let's all three of us collab. Let's put our data together and put together an amazing show and blast it across every platform known to humanity. This is amazing. Amazing. I mean, the the, the, the the data points all link up. And Velas, if people thought the Vax Pass was bad, you ain't, you don't want to go into the digital economy, right. the Internet of Things. If you don't put a stop to that, especially this 5G rollout, okay, the real 5G, look, there's very many flavors of 5G. And most people are thinking that they have 5G. You really have 4G LTE plus, okay? Exactly. And you have long wave 5G, which is pretty harmless, which is, again, like an enhanced... 4G LTE, then you got that 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 millimeter wave, which is which is really screwing with the telemetry of aircraft, which is causing a lot of the aircraft in and around uh, airports and, and a lot of the airlines saying you, you need to stop to AT and T and Verizon with their rollout. And even still, the government wants it. They're salivating on getting this out. These are control freaks, and it is the backbone of this entire digital currency BS that they're pulling out because, I mean, God forbid, let's just say you, you, you saw an item that, that all of a sudden the government deems is, is reprehensible and you try to scan your smartphone in order to pay for it, next thing you know, you're, you're, it's, it's not scanning because all of a sudden that item became uh, 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 right. verboten, right? It became verboten. You cannot, you cannot pay for it. You cannot, you cannot acquire it. It's a scary thing. And people how, need to stop this. How, how does Joe Rogan exist in that universe? I mean, yeah. think about it, folks. And, and at the heart of what V is talking about, because this is a, a wonderful dovetail V into, into you know, your, your uh, house of cards, which is more of the financial piece where, where I raise my hand and say, I need people smarter than me to cover that. We've covered phase one. This isn't a, an, a, uh, how do I put this? A capitalization on an opportunity. Hey, we had this worldwide pandemic and, and uh, hey, we learned some things. There seems to be a lot more planning behind it. And the question has to be asked, why? And that's kind of where we need to drive. We're getting more of the why on the coof. Now we got to dig into the why on the digital economy. Because part of the problem too is, you know, folks, you'll hear this stuff all the time. Well, we thought it'd be really great if we rolled out this capability. Eh, None of you make a decision. I mean, it's like me working with major corporations as an advisor. You don't make a major multi-million dollar decision just because Bob and Susan thought it would be a great idea. I mean, it's like people, people have got what's your return on investment, how long, what's the margin. I mean, and, and now we're talking about a digital economy. Yeah. You made that kind of decision because you thought it would be fun. No, no, there's, there's, I, <laughs> I get the strange feeling that there's huge amounts of control you all have in mind for this because you're getting, it, it reminds me of what I told you all about 2008 um, when I was in Washington and 09 when the economy hit the wall and 
everybody I, I bumped into that worked with elected officials was telling me that it's like they're not going home to their home district. Do you do you know how bad the constituents feel, how angry they are? And of course, you know, these young interns and stuff would look at me in a bar and go, and it's not like we've got any answers. I mean, it always reminds me of that Bugs Bunny cartoon where, where uh, Foghorn, Leghorn, and the dog realize that Daffy Duck's been taking advantage of, of him. And, and Daffy Duck overhears them saying, killing is too good for that duck. Um, it's the same <laughs> thing with the world's leaders. Yeah. I mean, it's like, man, we all may be a crazy bunch of people in this world who are just trying to pay bills or to paraphrase Mike Moore, keep food on the table. Um, but man, when the globalists realize how angry we all can get, please see Canada. Um, they're no fools. And it's like, it's like by the time the herd figures out what we're doing, we got to have this lockdown with a whole lot of protection around us. I'm equally amused by some of these major, I wouldn't call them decision makers, but players in this whole mix who keep showing up for various meetings and things. And, you know, I'm looking at it like my old life going, where's your bodyguards? I see the one guy, he's probably, he's probably, uh, you know, some kind of protection you've got, but it's like, each of you people should have like five X Mossad around you at all time. Mm. I mean, the, the public, I mean, like the Italians, French farmers, anyone in Poland, Canada, the list goes on. It's like, man, you got some folks out there who are standing there with a tire iron going, do you have a minute? I'd like to have a word with you. Uh, just, just found out my, my kid isn't doing so well from uh, the medication you just pumped into. Him. So yeah, we need to dig into what does that digital economy look like? And, and the old thing, and you said it really well the other day, V, I even reposted it on Discord. It doesn't matter what anybody is saying. It matters what the money is saying. Where's the market going? Who's investing in what? The other item I was going to bring up today, folks, I didn't have time. It'll be on my Discord posting. But I keep talking about all these countries who've got natural resources folks want. And, you know, we got Chile and Peru suddenly going left and shutting off the market when it comes to copper and other materials. And lo and behold, private equity already bought up a bunch before that happened. We had the attempted overthrow of, of Bolivia uh, to get a hold of their bauxite. Yep. And of course, what happened just this week? Jamaica just announced a major bauxite agreement to produce at will for parties who want it. And that caught my attention. Why? Well, because unless you've spent any time in the Caribbean and you know some, some Caribbean financial officials, you'll have never heard about the following. The following is, is that in the 1970s, there was something known as the Bauxite Rebellion. It was led by Jamaica, right. Jamaica, Bolivia, several other countries. They were sick and tired of being taken advantage of on international commodity prices for their goods. And so they got together, formed a cartel, and just basically said, no, you're going to pay us a real rate for our Bauxite. And yeah, you know, they... They got labeled as communists and leftists. And I'll be the first to tell you, folks, if somebody's a communist, I'll tell you. These were just kind of some left-leaning governments. And what happened? Well, Britain unleashed the dogs of war out of the London Corporation, and they overthrew the Jamaican government and looked at everybody else and said, any questions? So many years later, now what do we have? Well, we've got a fire sale going on in Jamaica because bauxite's going to become very valuable, like a lot of commodities, with this whole mm. green energy focus. Yes. And why are we going on this green energy focus? Well, we just talked about it. We've we've got, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, and uh, State Street Advisors and others threatening corporations, whether it makes sense for your business model or not. We don't give a shit. This is what you're doing. 
And if you don't like it, you're off the board. And I hate to go there. I've said it before. I've known people who are on boards of directors. This is a sweet job, folks, depending on whose board it is you're on. I'm not making this up. They pay you between 75 to 150 or more a year. You got to show up for a handful of meetings. They send a jet to go pick you up. If you do good on one board, you might be on four or five. I mean, I don't want to call it a vacation, but I've worked with some people that were on, on multiple boards. And I mean, what a sweet deal that is. They're sitting on five boards. You know, there's always a private jet every two weeks at their local municipal airport picking them up. There's some good food on board the jet. They hang out with other retired rich people, provide some guidance on what the company should be doing, sign a few statements and head back home. And it's like, and you're going you're gonna to threaten that racket by telling all of these board members, uh, this is what you're doing. Or, or we're taking that away. Yep. So, yeah, I, I look forward to the, have to have to structure it, have to figure it out. I'll go reach out to, to Polly and see if she yeah. can give us some time. I know she was on Frank's show about two months ago. Yeah. I talked to Frank, I talked to Frank, our, our boy Frank about that. So I'll, I'll go see if I can go get, yeah, <laughs> definitely. get Polly to surface. And for, for those that don't know what the importance of bauxite now, you know, coming from the strategic metals world, like I'll tell you this, I mean, bauxite is a high source of, of course, aluminum, but the most important thing, the most important component in bauxite is gallium. Yes. And you cannot create electrical circuitry. You can't even make your LEDs light up. And LEDs are used for everything from your car's headlights these days to your computer screens, your phone screens. Everything is LED. You cannot even make those things illuminate without gallium. And that's why it's so vital for the electronic circuitries, LED, uh, especially with the Internet of Things. If it's a light transmitter, if we're going to uh, you know, make the jump from wire to fiber optic and or light, you need gallium. That's the reason why. And then you need infinium, hafnium, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. It's it, lithium. I mean, I can go, you know, we just break down the whole entire thing. This is the reason why bauxite is very important. Very high concentration of aluminum in bauxite, much of your aluminum production um, that, that's used for industrial applications, you know, if anything from cars, trucks to whatever, bauxite is vital. So that's why, folks. That's why. And it's funny, man. We only had two refineries, and I don't know what the state of these refineries are in the United States that processes bauxite, and they're both in uh, the Gulf Coast. I think they're, they're in Louisiana, if I, if I remember correctly. But, yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you for that. I should have, I should have mentioned that, that, that uh, the criticality of bauxite is both to aluminum as well as the, the whole green energy thing. That, that Sure. Absolutely. So if you all will forgive me, uh, and V, uh, CJ and I were talking about this with the audience before you joined us, uh, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little worn out, folks. After uh, uh, get, getting this show together, because I there was so much information I couldn't use, um, and then also the content I'm going to go post to Discord. So I'm a, I'm gonna take off uh, next week, Friday, uh, the fourth, and just let my brain cool off for a minute. But yeah, uh, I'll be in the wings, you know. And as we continue to work out here at Rogue, um, I mean, we're on the air. <laughs> you just got to be a little patient with us about as we get this stuff posted to the to the primary website and similar. But uh, and then again, as I always say. Uh, we're we're blowing the shit out of Discord, folks. So so go go stop over there and go visit. Uh, and and again, I've said it many times. Uh, many of you in our audience uh, have been posting some really 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 great content, and yeah. you've been providing some really good insights and thoughts on various things. I mean, it it's it's the kind of organic growth for Rogue News that that really makes me happy because it isn't just the three of us sitting here going, Hey, we're going to tell you a bunch of shit. And remember the midterm is on uh, next Friday. Um, you're, you're all of you out there 
you're really picking up on this stuff. You're really learning to, I had a friend of mine reach out to me. He goes, Hey, I want to get on the discord channel. I'm like, well, I'll go to the website and go do this thing. And he goes, cause I want to debate some people. And I'm like, eh, this isn't that movie. I'm like, everybody out on Discord is sharing information, talking. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a farmer out here in Nebraska. Anybody out there know how I can do the following? Yeah, uh, reach out to me on, on just a private chat and we'll go do this thing. I'm like, it's, it's a lot of people helping each other. Yeah. And, and final point on that one. Uh, and I, I mentioned this at the opening of the show. You know, on Sundays around, uh, what is it, 7 Central, um, you know, there's a group of folks, sometimes I'm on there, sometimes not, uh, who've been talking. And, uh, you know, the get together, discuss, a lot of it has been has been legal issues, how to approach the, the mandatory coup shots and similar. Um, and you all know who you are. Um, but really good conversation. And I mentioned to that audience that I've now got three people who came to me, uh, one who knows me personally, the other two were through uh, Discord, who said, hey, I'm really struggling here. I'm not a legal person. I just, the thought of a courtroom scares the hell out of me. I don't know what to do. My employer's really cracking down on me. And it's like, look, here's your approach. Here's the model you use. Go, go with this. And then at each stage, you got to know this is what might happen, et cetera, et cetera. And here's how you communicate and don't, don't get argumentative and blah, 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 blah. And here's how you fill out the forms and all of that. All three of these people have now told me their companies have dropped it. Um, one was telling me that her employer was like, we don't care what the Supreme Court says, uh, and we're a privately held company, and this is what we're doing, and we're bringing the hammer, and uh, we're not going to stop with just the coof shot, because uh, all of you need to be inoculated for everything known to man so that we can keep our insurance policies down. And it got to a point where she told her employer, uh, here's my response, and she used you know, the lingo of this is a perjury trap, so I'm, I'm not really answering any of the questions in this form. And she came back with a couple of data points and then said, my attorney and I will be in your offices to discuss this. Hmm. And the person in question who was from both HR and operations said, well, what the hell do you need an attorney for? And she's like, well, according to state law, this, that, and the other, I'm allowed to have legal representation. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is my attorney's background and I'm bringing them. Well, for what? Because we're going to record the discussion. You can't do that. Actually, we can. Here's why, et cetera, et cetera. I'll call you back. Literally by four o'clock that day, the HR rep called her and said, your job is fine. You're fine. We're dropping the policy across the board. <laughs> it, it's done. There so you go. don't think you can't win folks. And again, I'm a channel CJ. It's, it's local. It's small. It's you, but that's how it grows. So yep. hang in there. Hang Absolutely. in there. Very yeah. well said. Yeah. Just real quick on the, <clears throat> the, the mandate thing, which, you know, there's been a lot of wins lately, but I'm not sure if you guys caught the the article in regards to what Anthem put out, their forecast and and, and warning. Uh, Anthem Insurance uh, issued uh, Wednesday a warning of potentially higher COVID-19 costs in the second half of the year in the light of the new coronavirus variants coupled with the slowing vaccination rate in the country. So as I said a few months ago, look for them to put pressure on companies as they look to raise insurance premiums, uh, which again, as, as I stated, that they may circumvent the mandates by uh, doing that with uh, insurance companies and or charging higher premiums to unvaccinated employees. Hmm. Well, we talked about that last week. You know, the minute the minute the pharmaceutical industry starts cutting into the bottom line of the insurance industry, you know, Dr. Evil, lower finger to lips. Geez, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly right. 
Exactly. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're costing us money? No, we're not people. We're a corporation. F you. This is what's yep. happening. Yep. So, you know, and I'll, one more comment, because who knows? We may start seeing it while I'm, I'm in hiatus here. I said it before. Keep, keep an eye, folks, if it's your thing. Keep an eye on the leaders of these pharmaceutical firms. Keep an eye on their boards. Keep an eye on their executives. If we start seeing people suddenly retiring to spend more time with their family, that's an excellent, you know, predictor of of where things are going. Yeah, especially between now and April. Yeah, and I, I continue to concur. V U I all God's children. We've all been saying this. Spring. Yep. Spring. You're gonna, folks. I'm just, holy shit. I'm telling you right now. You're gonna see some shit go down this spring. I mean, mm-hmm. strap in with the four point harness. You're. I, I don't just mean the pharmaceutical stuff. You're gonna see some serious shit go down. Now, speaking of serious shit, and I, I promise this is my last comment. Um, would someone please take the conference phone away from President Biden? <laughs> oh my God! You know, I, I, I texted V and CJ last night, and it's like, Lord in heaven, the globalist community just—it's like we're gonna have World War Three, and we don't care what it takes. Well, you know, Ukraine, you better get ready. The Russians are coming across the border. Ukrainian government, uh, you're really causing problems here, Joe. It'd be great if you just shut up. And we're looking at the Russians, and they're still sitting in the same spot they were yesterday. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, someone needs, to take, someone needs to rip that phone away from him, man. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting. This spring is going to be interesting. Uh, this coming fall, because what happens in the fall? is predicated upon what happens this spring. And they're getting all the things moved up and geared up for that fall when we go into the election. Oh, yeah. Dallas. Oh, yeah. Because the, the and again, I, I am always of two minds on this, folks. You know, do the elections matter? They do with a million caveats attached to them. But for people that are old school politicians that don't kind of view the way the world the way we all do, or at least we do here on this show, for them, that actually is a big deal. And it's like, holy crap, the party is collapsing under our feet because of one guy, you know, and it's like, what are we going to do? And equally, I'm looking in the in the Republicans direction going, you folks better actually get a damn plan together. You better not just be sitting there going, OK, well, we've taken office and uh, nothing will change. Hey, throw that up on the screen real quick, the, the link that you just sent to us. I just want to we'll close off with this. I don't think Harley's coming on. Um, listen, Ooh, look, look, at look at that. This. Look at that, man. Look at that. UK company liquidation surged to record. Folks, you want to talk about a wealth transfer? Yeah. There it is. There it is. Record number of companies in England and Wales agreed that their creditors to cease trading during the final quarter of 2021 after COVID support for businesses and protection against court insolvency proceedings was phased out. Total number of corporate insolvencies in England and Wales rose to the highest since the third quarter of 2012, at 4,627 on a seasonally adjusted basis after sinking to the lowest since 1989, earlier in the pandemic and around 24. That is remarkable. Remarkable. Unreal. Yep, it is. It is. Well, and what it's going to look like here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, again, and again, folks, you know, it's, it's a lot of governments around the world, especially in the West, are really oriented towards what does the business community want. That just is. Um, you know, the U.K. Is, is a heavily socialized economy and a heavily socialized safety net. I can't even imagine what that is going to, what 
we just showed on the screen what that's going to cost the National Health Service, the NHS, what that's going to cost other support organizations in Britain beyond what it's already costing them. <laughs> yep. So, anywho, but thank you all for joining us today. My um, thanks. Good stuff, Ellis. V and yeah, CJ for good. letting me be here, and I'll I'll see you all again on on February 11th, uh, unless we have something. Absolutely. And Vels, we'll we'll uh, we'll connect uh, via text. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get this going, man. I'll, I'll finish up with my slides, and we'll we'll, we'll collaborate, brother. Definitely, without sure. a doubt. First, you, can, you can catch the recast of the broadcast on Twitch. It'll be uploaded later to Rumble and all these other platforms. But most importantly, roguenews.com, roguenews.com, roguenews.com would be the place where you'll find it. And with that being said, we're over and out. Take it away, CJ.